0: Any topic is just a topic until people have strong feelings about it. A topic becomes controversial when there are competing values and interests, when their data is inconclusive or even absent, when it's a broad, complex issue and there really are no optimal solutions. We call these issues intractable or wicked problems, and that's what makes them controversial. And really good, honest people can genuinely consider the very same information and come to different conclusions about it. But when we have to come together to make public decisions on that topic, then we have a controversial issue on our hands.
1: Welcome to the ETC by the University of Minnesota Extension. I'm Nate Meyer, and I'm excited to talk in this episode with my colleague Andrea Lorick strauss an Extension Educator with the Minnesota Master Naturalist Volunteer Program team, about her experience and expertise in teaching and talking with others about controversial issues. Hi, Andrea. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Hi, Nate. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. So why do you think that being able to talk and teach about controversial issues is important to manage some of our environmental challenges?
0: Well, when issues become hot and and controversial, there's a natural human response to avoid conflict or even to feel competitive or get into negotiation situations. So it would be easier for an educator to want to avoid that. They want to avoid the tension and conflict. They don't want to be put on the spot. It's easier to stick to common ground and not make anyone upset, but I really think that educators should, should not avoid controversial issues for a couple of reasons. One, because controversies are compelling. Students become motivated learners when those emotions are engaged with learning. So there are some learning benefits to engaging controversial issues. But also, today's world is so overrun with opinions and punditry We need a populace that really understands their own values, that understands that other people may think differently from them, people who have experience communicating with others about their opinions and feelings and views, and really a populace that has the mental confidence, the the optimism that they can get their head around a complex issue. If we could all get better at handling, handling controversial issues, we will have a more civil society Our democracy will be stronger. So in addition to the learning benefits, there are a lot of great social outcomes to including environmental controversies in our education and outreach. So as part of our program that we do on controversial issues, we start by brainstorming what are some issues that are controversial and then of course what are some issues that are not controversial and pretty much the list of controversial issues is never ending and the list of things that are not controversial is very short so the situation of the day will bring up different ones that are more obvious. You know the classic one in environmental education is about climate change, and but I think that issue has really changed in the time I've been talking about teaching about controversial issues. In the beginning, you know, back in the late '90s, there were questions about whether or not the climate is changing, how much is it changing, whose fault is it, all of that, but. That's really changed. We have so much more data now. We have clear expression of data trends of changing weather patterns and all that good stuff that whether or not climate is changing is kind of no longer a controversy. The data are clear. And so what is controversial about it is how did this happen and what should we do about it? And so pretty much any issue, any topic, has its controversial aspects there will be some aspects that either the data are clear or people generally agree about but there will be aspects of those issues that come up that people just dis- good people you know good thinking hard you know working people can genuinely disagree
1: many of our listeners know you from extension but you've been tackling and teaching others about how to tackle controversial issues for a long time can you tell us about your background
0: in general, I'm an avoider of conflict, uh, but this is the world we live in. I have been with Extension for 14 years, but before I came to Extension, I worked with the International Wolf Center for about twelve years in various roles. And the gray wolf is a controversial issue in many sectors in many you know ways of thinking about them. And so, I had plenty of chances to hear various viewpoints and to find myself in a heated moment or two. And and honestly, I made some mistakes in how I handled it, how I taught about it, how I communicated with others. And so I learned a little bit of trial by fire. But in my role there as the director of education, I was in a position to develop some standards, some organizational guidelines for how will we talk about these different issues, what positions the organization is taking, and how we can communicate about those um, and developed some guides for helping our staff, our board members, and our volunteers all kind of get on the same page about how we're going to talk about these issues. So I really just developed these topics and this these reflections based on experience. I will say that in my work in Extension, my thinking really has evolved, uh, uh, you know, broadened uh, since then. I've, I've brought in some, some new ideas about ways of knowing and worldviews and universal values that has really given people more to reflect on.
1: What are some of the important steps or strategies that can help us prepare and talk about controversial issues?
0: If you know that a controversial issue may come up in your education and outreach efforts, I do have some tips for you. Think carefully about the various aspects of the issue so that you can think about it from multiple perspectives and then feel more confident addressing the issue objectively. The first thing you're gonna do is think carefully about your own personal beliefs about that issue. You're gonna understand where you may have blind spots. You may take some time to think about where did my values come from? Why do I think what I do? The reason for doing that is so that you can stand secure in your own knowledge, in your own opinions, and knowing that you get to have those opinions. I do recommend that people try as much as humanly possible to set those aside a little bit in an educational setting. But being aware of where you know your feelings land, where your opinions land, where your values land, helps you to have the humility and the security to not become defensive in a tense situation. Because any controversy or upset student or or even argument isn't about you as an educator. And that's important to to reflect on and be prepared for. The second step is to think uh, broadly about where may be some uh, points of agreement on the issue at hand. So you might identify declarative statements you think that all parties to the issue would agree upon you're going to check that list with a critical friend who might give you some feedback about whether they really think people will actually agree on that. That may be where you find some blind spots. The most important part, I think, is to anticipate what are the actual points of disagreement, as opposed to just saying climate change. Well, what is it that people may actually disagree about? And you're going to frame those disagreements in the form of a question because the point is people answer that question differently and that's why we have controversies so in just instead of just saying you know people disagree about whether climate change is real that isn't as helpful as a question about how is climate changing and what impacts will we see in this area knowing that people may answer those questions differently and you use those questions as the starting point for your instruction because i think centering the conversation around the questions validates everyone's right To answer those questions according to their own values and needs and life experience helps them to respect each other's right to make those decisions for themselves because different answers reveal different underlying value systems. Because when we disagree about an issue, it's not about the issue. The disagreements are about larger values differences that we each are entitled to have. So, for example, if people are disagreeing about whether to remove, say, wolves from the endangered species list, as an example, they're really disagreeing about what is nature for, who gets to decide about nature, what is the proper role of government, who has the power to make decisions about private property, and what responsibility do we all have for public lands? So. The issue is not about the issue. It's about these larger value systems that we have as humans. And so, again, that's why I recommend focusing on teaching questions, not necessarily answers. My other thing is to really encourage everyone to think about how can I be objective? Because it's harder than you think to be objective. Being objective requires a lot of clarity. You have to have that self-analysis, that self-awareness in order to be transparent. You have to be honest about where your biases may be. You might have to say, look, I grew up on a farm, and so here's what I think. You know, Whatever it may be, just be honest with yourself. Be honest with your participants. Being objective also requires working diligently to separate opinions and empirical data. Those are not the same thing, and you would be surprised how often people conflate those two. They, they merge them together or mix them up. Both are welcome, opinions and data, but they're not the same thing. Most importantly, being objective goes back to that being humble. Because keep in mind that anyone's ability to understand an issue is limited to your own experience, your own worldview. You know, ours is but one viewpoint among many. And just because someone else has a different worldview or different values, that doesn't make them wrong. We don't get to tell someone that their worldview is wrong. Good heavens. And just like I don't have to feel threatened that someone is saying that my worldview is wrong, we all get to have our. Worldviews. And so being objective requires being careful about you know where your opinions begin and end, and having the humility to listen, having the humility to realize the limitations of your understanding of an issue. That requires some courage, but doing that diligent work really earns you trust, it earns you open ears, people more willing to listen to you, and ultimately earns you integrity when you approach an issue sincerely and authentically.
1: Where can our listeners learn more?
0: You know, this is a hard topic that there's not a ton of resources out there on. We do address it in our Minnesota Master Naturalist courses. Um, There's a a bit of scholarly literature about how to approach controversies in a formal K-12 classroom setting, but that doesn't always apply in these non-formal education outreach uh, situations. I have a few TED Talks that I find interesting and some other reading. I'll make sure, Nate, that you have uh, a handle on those, and we'll put those in the show notes.
1: This is my last question, and I ask it of everyone on the podcast. What is a brief message or a hashtag that you wish would really take off right now, like millions of people are sharing it on billboard signs and social media news feeds?
0: I wish everyone understood that we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. That's a quote from Anais Nin, and I just love it. It is so True. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. And if we could all keep in mind that we are limited by our own worldviews, I think that would make a big difference in the world that we are one person in a larger community. Because living in society calls us to work at understanding each other. Difference doesn't have to be threatening, but I think it's become that in today's world. If we could encourage everyone to have the humility to seek to understand before being understood, where would we be? So maybe that's my hashtag, hashtag humility. And for educators, I would say don't shy away from controversial topics, but just be prepared for them. Think about how you can teach. And so maybe that's my other hashtag is hashtag teach the questions.
1: Hey, Andrea, we have a final special note to share this week. Did you know the Minnesota Master Naturalist Volunteer Program is celebrating 16 years of service this year? For 16 years, we've been working with a mighty team of around 2,000 volunteers to serve with local natural resources, education, service, and citizen science projects across Minnesota.
0: Yeah, we're celebrating this milestone for about a month through Give to the Max Day on November 18th. If you'd like to help us celebrate, we invite you to make a gift to support a program that you love. Donors provide scholarships for new volunteers, invite expert speakers, expand our National Public Lands Day events, and explore new ways to get people outside.
1: Whether you've been with us for 16 years, or if you're just starting, we look forward to celebrating this milestone with you. To make a gift online, visit z.umn.edu forward slash mnatgive. That is capital M, capital N, at give. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of the ETC. Huge thanks to Andrea for joining us to share her insights about how we can prepare, teach, and talk about controversial issues. Look at the show notes for Andrea's suggestions to learn more. This episode was recorded in 2021. Look for the ETC and subscribe on any of your favorite podcast services. Give us a thumbs up or drop a comment to let us know you value the podcast. Pass it along to others. We look forward to sharing another episode soon.